McShane Bible Study, Day 11. We start out with the calling of Abram, who would later be called Abraham. And we saw in the last chapter that his father was was called out, but he stopped short and died young. And so then we see uh, Abram is called. And we know that he's the father of faith, and yet we, we see early on that he has to progress into that. But first, he's called, and the Lord says to him, you know, you go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So he has this great covenant or testament. Um, there's not just two covenants in the Bible, old and new, that you see multiple. And we see the tremendous grace that God promises Abram. And But recall, remember, the, the law of Moses hasn't been given yet. He doesn't have a codified religion that he's abiding by. He has things that have been passed down to him. He's, you know, roughly 300 years from the time of the flood. And... You know, he certainly would have heard of great works of God, but but he doesn't have a codified religion. Uh, he's simply hearing from God and obeying. Well, I said 300. I, I counted it up the other day. I think it was 300 until he's born, and this is when he's about 75. So it, it was a little less than 300. And 75 is a little less than 400. So between 350, 400 years after the flood. I just found that interesting. And so then God brings him into the promised land and says, look, I'm giving you this land. Of course, it's fortified with other peoples, other cities. So it's a promise without any idea how this is going to come about. And then there's a famine. So Abram and Sarai, his wife, enter Egypt. And does he have faith that God's going to take care of him and his wife? (laughs) Doesn't read that way to me. He, He comes up with this bizarre plan for his wife. He basically hands her over to Pharaoh instead of us believing that God is going to, uh, you know, protect them in the basic, basic sanctity of their marriage and their lives. He trusts in his own guile, and you know, I would assume they both suffer, particularly Sarah. But I, I would think this is not pleasant for Abram either. Uh, and so Abraham is the father of faith, but we see early on in his life, he was very lacking in it. He had to grow in this. He had to progress in this over the course of his life. It's the thing about faith. There's so many levels of faith. We, we believe in God, and yet how much do we really believe in God for our lives? To enter into the kingdom is a walk of faith not just through one door, but down a a long, narrow pathway. Along the way, as Jesus says, there's many ways to go off the path. The The path is wide that leads to destruction. The path is narrow into his kingdom. And when we flip over to Matthew 11, we kind of see a similar thing with John. John was the one who declared that Jesus was the Messiah. God made it really clear to him. But John had religious ideas, because now there is a very codified religion. He has religious ideas about what it should look like when the Messiah comes. And Jesus wasn't conquering everything and living the way John thought he should live. 
And so he sends his messengers to say, are you really him? Because he's, he's confused. And he said, I'm in jail. I didn't expect to be in jail for, for being the one that announces the Messiah. And here I'm in jail and the Messiah is not doing what I expect him to do. This doesn't seem right at all. He was struggling with his faith. Even though he had seen what he had seen from God, he had expectations on what the result of that should look like. And so that should be a, a warning to us all on how do we live? What do we expect? What are we? What burdens are we placing on God that are of our own imagination? And then Jesus goes on to commend John to the people and say, look, what did you expect from John? He, you know, he wasn't out living in palaces. He was out simply dedicating himself to the Lord. And I tell you, he was greatest among all those born of women. There's no one greater in the flesh than John. And yet he's least of everyone who abides in my kingdom. He wasn't able to enter the kingdom. That wasn't provision given to him by the Lord. He says, I have come to make the kingdom possible for you, for you to die to yourself and enter into this new eternal reality in the flesh right now. So you don't live according to the flesh. You live according to my spirit, but you are still in the flesh. You're still in this world. Jesus says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. He said it's not easy to come into this kingdom, and there is a spiritual war going on all about us with invisible enemies that we do not see, but are very much against us. And then he mocks the religious people. He says, you, you mock John because he didn't eat and drink, and you say he has a demon. Then you mock me because I do drink, and you say... Um, and eat, he says, and you say, I'm a glutton and a drunkard. You're basically justifying your own way of life rather than seeing the hand of God at work. Even because he doesn't, because God's not working according to the pattern you expect. You assume God is wrong and you are right. He says, humble yourself. Wisdom is justified by her deeds, not by your intellect. And he cries out to the places that he's preaching for not receiving the message. He says it would be worse for you than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. They would have repented if they would have seen what you have experienced. And I'm reminded back to Abram. He had faith early in his calling, but not so much that he wouldn't go completely worldly. And we see this tension. And so Jesus is calling out this tension in the places they'd visit. Because these people would love what he had to say. They would love the healings. And yet they wouldn't turn their lives around. And Jesus ends this chapter by saying, Turn to me, all you little children, for learn from me, take my yoke. He says that the labor of the world is heavy. I will give you rest. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says you're going to carry a burden. You're going to go away choose my way, carry my burden, and give me all your other burdens. I will carry the difficulties. You will simply carry my life. And then I'm flipping over to Nehemiah 1. Just as backstory, if you're not familiar, this used to be part of Ezra. Ezra just continued on. Uh, somewhere along the way, a long time ago, they split it up. Because this one, Nehemiah becomes the main character at this point in the story. And so they just split it into two books. But it was originally one book written by Ezra. 
And Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king, as the very last verse of this first chapter says, which means he tasted the the wine and perhaps food uh, before the king did to make sure the king wasn't being poisoned. So he was very close to the king, very trusted. Um, but he was a servant, and the king was the king. And so when people come in, travelers from Jerusalem, he asks how it is. And they say, well, it's, it's not good. The wall is broken down and people are in disarray. And he says, you know, he just has a holy unction from the Lord. This isn't right. These walls need to be rebuilt. Uh, so he goes and prays to God and he reminds God of God's covenant to, to Moses. God told Moses, the people of Israel before, you know, at the beginning, that if they lived according to his way, they would be blessed. But if they didn't, they would be cursed and they would be cast out of the land. Well, hundreds of years, what, probably about a thousand years passed by and they were cast out of the land. After the prophets warned them many times, they were kicked out of their land. And then he, but it also said, but if you turn your hearts back to me, I will gather you back. And the prophets also said this. So Nehemiah is reminding God, you said you would bring us back. Lord, we fall far short of your glory, but bring us back and make us your people in your land once again and give me favor, Lord. And we'll see what he's going to do from there tomorrow. But the key theme is faith. He's believing in God to do something. I mean, he's taking his life into his hand by approaching the king about this. Um, But he's believing in God, that God's promises are true and right, even though they're far bigger than anything he's experiencing in this world right now. The first story in Acts 11, we see more of people battling a religious spirit in their lives. The, the Jews who had accepted Jesus as their Messiah had a serious problem with the Gentiles coming to, to the Lord. And there's some scriptural reason to think that they would be right. But it ignores other scriptures that said that the whole, as we just read from Abram, that the whole world will be blessed through him. And so they instead of understanding what the, and they did come to understand this at the end of Peter's explanation, but at first the way of their heart, the way of their fallen life was, even though they were believers, they had received the Holy Spirit already, but they didn't have full understanding and they were still living after their own way in this certain regard. And so the Lord had to show them and wake them up that their religion was holding them back from the full truth of God. And the end of Acts 11 is, uh, you know, just a kind of a cool historical note that God first established a community of non-Jewish uh, believers, uh, and they were the first people called Christians, which means little Christ. And it, it, these people worshiped the Lord, and then so Barnabas was sent to minister to them. He liked what was there, and so he went and grabbed Paul, and, or Saul, or Paul, and he came, and and so they're just ministering. This beautiful community takes shape, uh, which, of course, would do a lot to to form Paul in in what he was going to do going forth throughout all the Gentile world. And then a great famine is prophesied, and they send Paul and Barnabas back to back to Jerusalem. And, uh, and anyways, let me think. Well, probably as. <laughs> Probably this would be a common theme for most days, but I see faith as a common theme tying these scriptures together. When Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. 
he's saying it's not easy because your flesh and all the world around you fights against the reality that God wants a people that are his in this world that he will put all of himself into to glorify himself in the world and be the glory of God to all of creation through these people. That is God's plan. Nothing ends until that has been accomplished. And so everything in the world fights against that. Everything, they probably have something in you fighting against that reality because that is the plan of God. And we see in Abram, Abram was first called. He's in, in many ways a father to all this. He's the father of faith. And yet he couldn't believe it all early on. He, he believed it, but then he turned to his flesh. We had our little family devotional yesterday and, and I, I talked about the flesh versus following the Lord. And, and my, you know, my eight year old daughter says, well, I, I don't, I wouldn't choose anything over God. And that's, that's the flesh. Immediately, we would all say, well, I don't choose anything over God. And yet, is that how we live our lives? Is that how we think internally? Is that how we feel internally? Is that how we live internally? Abram would have said the same thing. And then he, again, <laughs> as I read that situation, he did not have full faith in God because he handed his wife over to Pharaoh in order to save his own skin. And that doesn't read to me like faith. Yet over the course of his life, and as well, we'll see in the next week or two to come, he grows in faith to where he would even offer up his own son. And so when we say we believe in the Lord, the Lord says, yes, amen, now come into this life so that we have not just a little faith to say that we believe, but enough faith to live our entire lives for him. Lord, bless your holy name in us. Help us to walk out this faith, to live in you as you're in us. Uh, God bless you. Um, we'll talk next time.